Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Amen. Good morning, church. How's everybody feeling? Feeling good, doing all right. A little drop in the temperature this morning, but that's okay. The heater's getting a little bit of a break because we haven't used it much this year. You know, it's been pretty mild, right? A few people, come on, awake. Hey, when I was getting ready for church this morning, uh, I looked in the mirror, and oftentimes I did something that I'll tell my wife. I'll say, baby, do I, do I look okay this morning? And to which she responded to me, and she said, you look like a Western Mr. Rogers. <laughs> to which she thought that would deter me. And I was like, Mr. Rogers is cool. And Western's in style, so I'm a sport this, girl. So just so y'all know if y'all are thinking, that's what we're going for today, a little Western Mr. Rogers, all right? Welcome to church. Man, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13, and I want to get right into it. This is the, the third week in this, third and final week in this chapter. Um, Nehemiah has addressed two critical issues in the church. Uh, first one being there's, there was this, this basically a housing crisis where they had moved someone inside of the temple that did not belong there, and he had to uh, get out this unwanted ten tenant. Uh, last week, we talked about basically a labor shortages where the Levites had to return to the field. Uh, and I, I put this into two different frameworks, one of the restoration of purpose in the house of God and the restoration of position in the house of God. And today, we're going to look at the final two that Nehemiah addresses in chapter 13. Chapter 13, beginning with verse 15. Now, in those days, I saw the men of Judah treading out their wine press on the Sabbath. They were also bringing in grain, loading it on the donkeys, and bringing their wine, their grapes, and their figs, and all sorts of produce to Jerusalem to sell on the Sabbath. So I rebuked them for selling their produce on that day. Some of the men from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem, were bringing in fish and all types of merchandise. They were selling it on the Sabbath to the people of Judah in Jerusalem at that. So there's this problem. People are doing commerce. Uh, they're selling on the Sabbath. This is strictly prohibited by their law. Now, he goes on, and in verse 23, it says this. Now, about that same time, I realized that some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Furthermore, half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod or of some other people and could not speak the language of Judah at all. So I confronted them and called down curses on them. I beat some of them and pulled out their hair. Come on, somebody. Growth track after church with... I made them swear in the name of God that they would not let their children intermarry with these pagan people and in this land. Wasn't this exactly the thing that led King Solomon of Israel into sin, I demanded? There was no king from any nation who could compare to him, and God loved him and made him king over all of Israel. But even 
But even he was led into sin by foreign wives. How could you even think of uh, committing this sinful deed and acting unfaithfully towards God by marrying these foreign women? Then skip down to verse 30. And so it says this, And so I purged out everything foreign and assigned tasks to the priest and to the Levites, making certain that each one knew his work. I also made sure that the supply of the wood for the altar and the first portions of the harvest were brought in at the proper time. Remember this. Remember this in my favor, O God. Remember this. Loss of purpose. Loss of worship. When you have a loss of purpose, when you have a loss of worship, it leads to commerce being king. The Sabbath is neglected. And once that happens, you begin to fall in love with things that you were never meant to fall in love with. And the cycle continues. This isn't just thousands of years ago. This is modern history. The constant chasing after the next big thing. The constant, well, when I have that, then I will be happy. Oh, if this works out. And then, oh, going back, neglecting the things, neglecting the commandments of God. Isn't this what got us into trouble in the first place? And Nehemiah reminds them, hey, all of the things that got us in trouble, we are just perpetuating the cycle again and again and again, remember. In this one chapter, he uses this word over four times, remember. But what's interesting is when he's calling the people to remember, it's not that he's even talking to the people, he's calling God to remember. God, remember what I've done. God, remember what's happening here. Remember this and have favor on me. He's asking God to remember. Remember your word, God. Remember who you are. Sometimes it's good to take some time to just remember. Uh, In next service, we're going to have baby dedications. And all these parents are going to bring forward these babies, and we're going to dedicate them to God. And, and, and I mean, some of y'all remember when you had these babies, you, you prayed, and, and, and you were pregnant, and you had this life inside of you, and get, getting ready to, to give birth, and all these hopes, and all these dreams, and all this anticipation of the beauty to come. And then you have that baby, and then you don't sleep for six months, Right? And it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and that baby, if you will just please be quiet, if you will please stop crying, if I could just get some sleep. And in that moment, you got to remember, you got to remember, this is the very thing I prayed for. This is the very thing I long for. You got to remember when you're changing that diaper that, whoa, what did you eat, child? Good Lord, how's this a little thing? you got to remember something. You've got to remember that these children are gifts. They are 18-year guests at your house. True. They are 24-year guests and growing at some of your homes. Come on, somebody. Because that's part of it. And you've got to remember, remember, remember. And God calls us to remember. And what's interesting here in Nehemiah 13 is Nehemiah is calling on God to remember. God, remember what your word says. 
And, and I love this, that we serve a God who allows us to call on him to remember. Because th this is very interesting, because there's a part of us that, if we're not careful, we can think God forgets. But God doesn't forget anything. But God allows us to call on, us, on him to remember because he knows that there's something that happens in that process. As we ask him to remember, we remember that he's the God who doesn't forget. So in this moment, when I feel alone, God, remember your word, and your word says you'll never leave me, you'll never forsake me. God, remember in this moment, and so what it is, it's calling on my own soul to awaken to what I already know about him. That God, I remember that your word says that you are true to yourself, and so when I ask you to remember, I'm asking my own soul to remember who you are. You are the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You are the God who will never leave me. You are the God who will never forsake me. You are the God when I'm alone in this valley of the shadow of death and I'm forgotten by my family, and all of these things are going on, and the doctor's report's negative, God, you are still right here with me. So, oh, my soul, remember who I'm singing to, remember who I'm praying to, remember who I'm serving, and I'm serving the God who doesn't forget anything. Because will the, the, the Lord of all creation not do right? When it feels like things aren't going right, do we not serve a God who we believe that in the end he will make all things right? And you've got to remind yourself at 3 a.m. when that baby's crying, when that doctor's report comes back, when that boss is cussing you out on Monday morning. Remember, remember, remember. And the beautiful thing about this is God says, you don't have to pretend. Come on, have you read the Psalms? I love this Psalm because what you have is you have this man pouring out his heart to God, oftentimes with this, where are you? My enemies are all around me. Things have gone bad. And it, but by the end of most of these Psalms, there's a rejoicing, there's a praying, there's a God, you are worthy, God, you are holy, because something has happened in the process of this Psalm. Something has happened in the process of this prayer. Something has happened that's changed him, and he's remembered who God is. Even when it feels like, God, where are you at in this moment? You don't have to pretend with God. We serve a God that's big enough that says, bring me all of your fears. Bring me all of your anxiety. Bring me all of your doubt. Bring me all of your worry. I know it already. But some of us don't know that you know. Some of us have convinced ourselves and we've pretended for so long that we just, we think that we're, no, 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 we're over that. Come on. And God says, come on, let's just, let's just be honest. Let's be real. Come on, Adam, where are you? Where are you? You hiding behind that tree again? You hiding behind that tree again, Lucas? Come on, I, I know where you are. Do you know where you are? It takes being honest. Remember, this restoration. And see, this is what Nehemiah is dealing with. Let, let, let's get, get from behind that tree. Let's deal with things that are happening inside the church. Let's restore purpose. Let's restore position. But let's also restore rest. Let's restore Sabbath. Let's restore this endless striving that keeps you going day and night. Let's restore the love that God has called you to. 
because you're in danger of forgetting, isn't this the thing that got you in trouble in the first place? Isn't this the thing that got you in trouble in the first place? So Sabbath, love. First, let's hit Sabbath. When I read this for the first time, the first thought I had is to look at the words that Nehemiah uses to describe it. Nehemiah uses the words to describe the neglect of the Sabbath with language like this, profane, sinful. And I was just like, wow, that's like some hard language for the people. I mean, I mean later on, he's tearing out people's hair. <laughs> but when he's talking about this day, he's like, this is profane, this is simple, this is uh, this is uh, degrading to the word of God and his law for us. And I just thought, if I was preaching this sermon to these people, would I use this type of language? Would, would I call them out on their sin with, like, calling it sin? Or would I kind of, like, ease around it and, like, hey, try to do better with that, right? Try to get better. And, and like, I'd probably try to, like, ease it up. Like, it's, it's, it's not that bad. And, and I kind of realized, like, not only would I maybe have done that, in our culture in America, we actually celebrate the neglect of the Sabbath. We celebrate you working 70 hours a week. We, oh man, he's just grinding it out. He's just working really hard. He's just doing all of these things like it's some kind of badge of honor, right? Like, oh man, he's just, he's just doing all this hard work. I'm just putting in the labor. I was talking to my buddy Heath up in um, Leland, and I probably shouldn't have said his name, but I already said his name, so I was talking to Heath, and uh, Heath told me this story, I'm still going to tell the story, um, about him, and he's dealing with his son, and, and, and his son, I think 17, 18 years old at the time, and he's like, yeah, all right, son, you know, getting ready to go call, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And his dad, and his son's like, dad, I'm going to be a professional video game player. And he's like, serious, right? And to which me and Heath are like, that's a thing? Like, and then he proceeds to tell me, he's like, yeah, and he's so, so serious. He's like, yeah, I've just been grinding it out, Dad. I've been, I've been putting in the work. I'm putting all the work, playing these video games day and night. And we're just kind of like, is that a, is, is that, is that a thing? Like, is that a thing, Garrett? Am I like, that old? Because, like, apparently you can. Apparently you can play video games and get paid now. Which is, like, I don't know. When I think about grinding it out, I think about the dude, like, laying concrete. Like, he's grinding it out. Like, you're up, but apparently you can do that. And, and, and I just thought, man, but we celebrate it. We celebrate, like, working really, really, really hard. And I've been working seven days a week for three months straight. And we wouldn't use these words profane and sinful. We celebrate it. And I thought to myself, but we wouldn't do this with any other commandment. Like, we wouldn't be like, hey, good job on all the stealing. Good job on all the killing. Uh, good job on dishonoring your parents and, and profaning the name of God and taking his name in vain and having all these other gods before you. Great job. Work a little bit harder on it. Might want to calm it down. Only kill a few people this week, right? We wouldn't, and, and I'm thinking this, but then I'm also thinking, wait, hold on. Actually, we celebrate that stuff too. I watched on TV as we gave awards to actors who use 
the Lord's name in vain every five seconds. And I sit back in my chair and, and I laugh when God's name's just been profaned. Oh, how did we get that far? How did we get that far? Well, I don't have any other gods before me. I went to the House of Blues, and over their stage, if you notice, they have these emblems of all of these different religions of the world. As if like, hey, it doesn't matter what you believe, we all end up together. And it's all universalism, and there's, there's many ways to God. And so we celebrate it, and we put bumper stickers and all these things, like, and we use language that's really good, like, oh, unity and diversity and all these things, and it's like, no, no, Jesus is very clear, there's one way, and that's him and his shed blood. But, but, but we, we, we've gotten to where we, we just celebrate it, and what happens is we've just kind of changed the language. Honoring our parents, we don't honor our parents anymore. Guys, we blame them for everything. Man, what's wrong with you? It's my mama's fault. Pretty sure it was my mama's fault. Adultery? <laughs> we have an app for that. And it's sad. But we celebrate it now. Oh, we have an open marriage and we're free and we're progressive. Like, what? Like, how, how did we get there? And I think a part of it, and, and this is just my opinion, but I think a part of it started with the Sabbath. Because what we did is we took the Sabbath and we just said, it's not as important as the other commandments. It, 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 it's okay, God doesn't mind that we do these things. It, it, it's just all right. And, and, and we're guilty, most of it, maybe even right here in the church. Right here in the church, we're just it, it, it's okay. And, and I think we've forgotten that, listen, Sabbath, like these rules, these commandments, like, we, we think of them as like rules of like, you don't get to do these things. And that's not what they are at all. They're actually a gift. Like you get to enter into this kind of life. You get to honor. You get to not kill the person you want to kill. You get to do all these things. And Sabbath, it's a gift from the beginning of creation right there with Adam of like, no, 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 no. I know you've got all this work to do. I just told you to tend to this big garden. You've got to name all of these animals. I know you've got a lot on your plate right now. But your first day on the job is a day off. Why? Because you've got to learn that every day after this comes from this day. You're supposed to work from a place of rest. You're supposed to live from a place of communion with me. Every animal you name Ah, it comes from this place where we just walk in the cool of the day and we begin to neglect that, to work from a place. Listen, a uh, few, few, few things about this. Uh, I remember one particular time where I thought to myself, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to Sabbath. And, and it really started in 2020, right? COVID hit. And for a, a lot of us, a lot of things, life kind of hit pause, and you, you kind of had to learn how to do life a little bit different. And, and I remember, I like, God, I know this is one of the lessons for me, that you're trying to teach me how to Sabbath in this, so teach me how to rest. Teach me how not to have an anxious heart. Teach me how to enter in and just walk with you. And uh, there was this one particular day where I was like, all right, this is it. This is, uh, for me, it, it was a Saturday, 
and, and usually my Sabbaths are Saturdays, and I just said, all right, Saturday, I have a plan. I'm going to Sabbath. I'm going to rest. I'm going I'm to enter into this. And, and I remember waking up that day and going through the day and uh, feeling like I nailed it. Like, man, I Sabbathed today. And I remember praying to God and just saying, God, man, how did I do? I, I think I did pretty good. I, 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 think I, I think I entered in. And I remember really distinctly the Lord spoke to me and said, son, you did great and you failed miserably. Like, wait, 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 hold on. What do you, what do you mean? God, I didn't stress about anything. Uh, I wasn't trying to strive to get things done. I was working a little bit slower. I wasn't feeling any pressure from anything. I was just doing this. And, and God said very clearly to me, this was for me, said, Luke, well, that's how I've called you to work. Wait, wait, hold on, wait, what? Yeah, 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 that, that's actually how I've called you to work. You could actually work from a place where you're not striving. You could work from a place where you're not anxious about everything. You could work from a place where you're not worried about having to get everything done. And some, it was like this. You could work from a place where you're not in control. You could work from a place where you acknowledge my presence in all that you're doing. You could work from a place of peace. And it was just this prayer of mine of God, teach me the Sabbath. Because that's the life I want to live. I want to come out of the Sabbath and, and, and go into this work, go into this Monday morning from this place of peace and this place of rest. And I realized really quick there's three big temptations that can keep us from entering into the Sabbath gift. Number one, our need for control. Our need to control everything. Because here it is in Nehemiah's day, and what's happened is neglecting of Sabbath has become uh, accepted behavior amongst the masses. And so because the masses have done it, and because all this commerce is happening, everything's popping off in the street, and all, hey, this is now accepted behavior because the priest is doing it too. And so if the priest is doing it, and all the people, it must be accepted. So hey, let's, let's do all of these things after all, we've got jobs to do. We've got things to get done. And here's what you've got to understand about the crowd. The crowd is always hustling. The crowd is always moving. They don't even know where they're moving to, but the crowd, all, the crowd never slows down. And the crowd loves the delusion of control. Because as a matter of fact, I'm in this big crowd, and so there must be a certain safety that we have with it. Uh, I heard... One person actually say it like this. They were talking about um, bombs and uh, nuclear bombs and atomic bombs and all this stuff. And, and, and when we watch on TV, you always see these guys come out in these big bomb suits. You know, it looks like they are an astronaut and they're, they're always working on the bomb and they cut the right wire. And this gentleman was saying, here's the thing, like, if it's a real bomb and that's a nuclear bomb or atomic, like, that suit don't matter. Like, a real bomb tech knows that that suit is a delusion. It ain't going to do nothing. You'd cut that wrong wire, and then on how many layers you got on, you're gone. And that's exactly what it's like. This temptation to just think that we're in control. The illusion of control. The next thing is this, the, the lack of just sheer reverence. To treat the Sabbath as if it was not vital. As if it was an optional thing. Because after all, I've done it before, and there was no seemingly repercussions. You know, you, know, you, do some, you break some of these other rules, and then there's, 
there's some kind of percussion, but uh, uh, not with this. And so it ends up being a lack of reverence until everything becomes optional. And see, we want the Lord to lead us beside still waters. But our soul's so anxious that even when we get there, we don't know how to enjoy it. See, he leads us beside some still beautiful waters, and in the back of our mind, we're trying to figure out how we could build a subdivision. Ooh, I could put a house there. I could do that. I could fix that. Ooh, I could, I could dam that up. I could turn that water. Like, why? Because our souls have been so anxious that we don't know how to just enjoy it. That's why when you go on vacation, it takes you like four days just to calm down. You don't even know how. And so sometimes, we've, we've all said this. We go on vacation, we come back. I need a vacation for my vacation. Because things may have slowed down out here, but they didn't slow down in here. And, and there's no rest in the world because there's no rest in our hearts. There's no rest in our home because there's no rest in our souls. And we're striving we're trying to, trying to do everything in our own strength. And we're trying to control it. And we're neglecting the Sabbath. Third thing, the tyranny of the urgent. After all, I, I can't because this is urgent. Now, I've got to do these things, and it has to get done now. I love the fact that here in the scriptures it says uh, all of this commerce is taking place and, and it specifically identifies the men from Tyre that had to come from this fishing village to come in and bring their fish to town. Because after all, they have an excuse. Listen, this fish will spoil if we don't sell it today. It, it, it's, it's urgent. The commerce has to take place on this day. We've got to do it. We, we fished and we brought it all in. We brought it in this distance. And if you're going to have fish in Jerusalem, ah, this is it. And so there's this urgent. But here I've learned, man, most emergencies in life are emergencies that we've created. We don't like to admit that, but we created our own emergency. Because we've been walking down that road of stupidity for a long, long time. And it finally catches up to us and we act like we don't know what happened. We act like we don't know that that electric bill is coming in 30 days. We act like we don't know, oh, on that mortgage. We act like, oh, it, we, we just so get caught up. And so it's just the urgent, the urgent. And I've learned this about the urgent. The truly urgent things in life never seem urgent. The truly urgent things in life never seem urgent. Raising your kids that's urgent, but it doesn't feel urgent, because after all, we've got 18 to 24 years. <laughs> See, it doesn't, it's, it's easily neglected. Your marriage doesn't feel urgent, because after all, she's right there. We can miss this again. I don't have to tell her I love her. She knows. Oh, we don't, I, don't, I don't have to do that. I don't have to serve her. I don't, she'll understand. Start, start neglecting. Truly urgent things never seem urgent. Time with God. He's God. He'll understand. It's okay. I got a really, really busy day today. The really urgent stuff is slow. This year, during uh, 21 days of prayer, me and my wife wanted to do something. Actually, it was more me, I, not her. But I wanted to do a few things different uh, for the fast. And I had this idea one day. I said, babe, let's fast light bulbs. And she's like, what? 
Like, yeah, I want to fast light bulbs. I want to spend an entire day without using one single light bulb. And, and so when the sun rises, that's the light that we get. And when the sun goes down, we don't turn on a light all throughout the day, no light bulbs. I was like, this is how it was for like thousands of years. Like, let's just enter into that. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and the kids were like, dad, dad, gosh, you stupid ideas, dad. And I'm like, we're gonna do it, kids. And, and we learned a lot of lessons. We learned real quick that we had to be prepared for the sun to go down. Come on, somebody. We had to have our candles ready. As a matter of fact, we had to cook dinner early because if we tried to cook it later, we wouldn't be able to see if it was done or if we were burning or not. We found that we actually went to bed a whole lot earlier. We got a whole lot more rest. We learned that we had to be prepared for the next day because we woke up, because we went to bed early, oh, it was still dark outside, and I don't know if that's blue or red, and so I need to have it laid out. Ooh, this was the way it was for thousands of years. I learned real quick that, ah, oh, this candle, I, I, we needed to make sure that we had enough oil in that candle, come on, somebody, to be prepared. And I also learned that when I took that candle with me from room to room, I had to walk slower to keep the candle from burning out all from fasting light bulbs, all from just slowing down. I learned that our family entered into a, a way deeper conversation during dinner. I, I saw that we were, we, we were united around the candles, all oh, way different dynamic, slowing down. Oh, it's, it's not, you know, the, the urgent, all these things. The, see, they're being addressed, and it's this return to Sabbath. It's a return to rest. It's a return to, I'm not in control. And I only got a few more minutes left, but I want to address the last one that Nehemiah hits here today, this morning. He addresses the trending out of grain on the Sabbath, but then he addresses the people of God are marrying these foreign women. And what you've got to understand about this portion of Scripture is this was against the law at this time. So there was a period of time in Israel's history where it was the law of God that, listen, I want you to marry inside of Israel. You can't marry these foreign uh, women. And, and this isn't racist. This isn't prejudiced. This was part of God's overall plan because later on, uh, the cross is going to come, and that cross is going to show in, in Gentiles will now be grafted in. Okay, so it's not addressing some kind of issue on... Um, prejudice or racism or any of these other things. It's the, the reality that God has a plan, and this isn't for you right now, Israel. Later on, but for right now, it's not for you. And this is a huge lesson that each one of us has to learn. There will be times in your life when God says, no. I know everybody else can do that, and everybody else can have that, but it's not for you, Lucas. That might be okay, and it actually may happen later, but for right now, it's not for you, no. Now, this goes against everything that we've been taught in America. Come on, you're impinging on my freedoms. You're impinging on my rights. What, are you, what right do you have to tell me no? We don't like being told no. As a matter of fact, the second you tell me no, I want it even more. Come on. Desperado. 
Why don't you come to your senses? Been out riding fences for oh so long. It seems to me some fine things have been laid upon your table, but you always want the one thing that you can't get. Desperado. Come on. You always want, come on, who in here doesn't want some Chick-fil-A on Sundays? <laughs> Every single Sunday, y'all. I'm telling you, I drive home, and just the fact that I can't get it, I want that Chick-fil-A on Sundays. As a matter of fact, I thought a good plan would be to go Saturday, buy a whole bunch of sandwiches, sell them in the parking lot for like 20 bucks a sandwich, <laughs> be like a crackhead dealer at Chick-fil-A, what you need? What you need? Come on, Christians, what you need? I got your sandwich. Can't get these sandwiches anywhere else. Because I want the one thing. Come on. But Chick-fil-A said no. There are times when God says no. I remember there was a moment where I had the opportunity, I had some friends moving out to L.A. to plant a church, and it was a great opportunity. And I remember distinctly God said nope. Like, God, they're going to plant a church. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. That ain't for you, Lucas. That ain't for you, Israel. That, that love isn't for you right now. See, we love to fall in love with things that God says no. And when we do this, man, it, it takes up residency in our hearts. This false love, these things that we begin to fall in love with. And I've learned this. We fill our lives with these things, so much so there's no room for what God intended to be there in the first place. So I could fill my life with likes and not fill my life with loves. Come on. Some of us have spent so much time on Facebook, like, 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 that you ain't got no time to love. Some of us have spent so much time on TikTok that all the TikTok time has gone by and you can't even spend time with your kids. I filled my life with these likes and I'm wondering why I'm empty inside because there's no more room for the love. And he's saying that to Israel, look at what you've done. You spent three hours scrolling. But we can't spend like five minutes scrolling through his word. Because it, it brings this kind of false high, and it's full of well, likes, and we're missing the love. I always want the one thing that I can't get. I mean, I, right here, just a minute ago, and, I, and the worship team can come up. You know, Pastor Allen, he, he's been just one of my best friends for, I don't know, like 30 years or something. And he gets up here, and he sings. It just sounds so good. And I'm like, bro, you suck, right? Because I can't even sing Desperado. <laughs> My gosh, I wish I could sing. America's got talent. Man, I ain't got no talent. I can't sing. My daughter can draw. Like, I can't draw. Some of these incredible talents. Man, I can't play no sports. I can't shoot no basketball. I can't play soccer. I can't play football. Like all of these things, and I, and I find myself, God, if I, if I could just sing like Alan, come on, I, I'm planning this out, and, and if I could sing the Desperado line, and if I could get on key, that'd be great. 
And God's like, it ain't going to happen, son. (laughs) That ain't for you. And if you keep trying to fill your life with a gift that I didn't give you, there'll be no room for what I did give you. Why don't you just lean into what I did give you, Lucas? Come on, stand to your feet with me. Each one of us, I'm telling you, the Lord is restoring purpose in your life. He is restoring position in your life, but he's also restoring rest in your life. If you're going to do the things that God has called you to do in this next season of your life and in your ministry, you have got to do it from a place of rest. You have got to do it from a place of Sabbath. Everything else has to come from this place. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves trying to sell fish in the marketplace, trying to sell sandwiches in the parking lot, falling in love with things that we were never meant to fall in love with. And we'll find ourselves with a heart that's full of likes and empty of loves. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, here we are again. Isn't this the same thing that got us in trouble in the first place? Thinking that we are in control, thinking that we can save ourselves, thinking that we're smart enough, we're rich enough, we're talented enough, we've got our five-year plan. And God, we release the delusion of our control And we remember this morning, we remember that he who began a good work, God, you started this work in us. You started this work in our marriage. You started this work in our kids. You started this work in our life. You started this work in our church. You started this work in our community. Lord God, and you will see it through to the end, to the day of Christ Jesus. And so God, we repent and turn back to you call our sin for what it is, sin. And we thank you that even in this moment, you are running down the road with arms open wide saying, ah, my son, my daughter. (laughs) And even if you fail again, I'm the God who never fails. Come on, someone needs to hear that this morning. Even if you never, even if you fail again and again and again, he is the God who never fails and he loves you. So Holy Spirit, fill us. We acknowledge your presence in this place right now. We acknowledge your holiness in this place right now. And we acknowledge our need. Draw us to yourself, Jesus. Father, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my my unbelief that believes that I can can work a little bit harder and get it done. (laughs) Help it, Jesus. If you're in the room this morning and don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May the day be the day that you release control and say, God, all that I have is yours. I enter into your rest. If that's you and you're in the room and you just need to give your life to Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm asking you to put your hand real high in the air where I can see it just lead you into a prayer of salvation. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you. I'm asking everyone to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I am yours. You are mine. I repent. Fill me with your love. From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God, my life is yours. My mind is yours. My soul is yours. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen, amen. Come on, should we have two people in the house? Come on, that gave their life to Jesus. Come on. Church, let's take a few minutes. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.